This is The Real Estate Rookie, episode 183. Sometimes we got to be aware of like our biases of like, okay, this may not be a place I may want to travel, but this is the data proves that there's a huge demand. And so now it's changed my attitude around, okay, um, just because maybe I don't like this particular vacation rental market, it may not mean that um, it's in high demand. So I'm going to default to Tony. He's like the, the geek when it comes to software and it's like, he busts out all this like data and I'm like, sold, sold. I'm good. Okay. My name is Ashley Kerr and I'm here with my co-host, Tony Robinson. And welcome to the Real Estate Rookie Podcast, where every week, twice a week, we give you the inspiration, information, and education you need to become a real estate investor. So Ashley Kerr, what is going on? Not much. Um, I've dropped my crutches, so I was allowed to get rid of them. So now Woo. I'm just hobbling around just hobbling, with the new yeah. race. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I actually took a impromptu a road trip to Florida last week. And so I had to have my crutches for about half the road trip. And then the second half, I got to get rid of them. And yeah, there you go. so it was nice. It's progress. What about you, Tony? Yeah. What's new? Uh, how's your uh, foot? My foot is also healing. I don't. I'm, I took my boot off today for the first time, so we'll, we'll see how it does. But um, keeping busy. We're actually going to be out in your neck of the woods in like four days, or, or no? Yeah, yeah. Shoot, like four days. Yeah, we're going to be uh, out in, in Western New York in, in like four days. We just bought a bed and breakfast out there, so we're excited to, to check that out. And then as soon as I get back, we're actually going to be walking the the Big Bear Resort that we have under contract with our contractor, so we can start getting the bids together. So, and then after that, we leave to Denver for like three days for the rookie boot camp. So I'll barely be home over the next week, but it's uh, it's all for a good cause. Yeah. And um, actually, Tony, since we've been recording this podcast, I mean, a ton of snow has accumulated outside. So hopefully uh, by the time you get here, it's all melted. It's melted. Hopefully. (laughs) Fingers crossed. I'll bring some good California weather with me. Yeah. So today we have a very special guest on. Tony, who is our guest today? So today we've got none other than my partner in Alpha Geek Capital, Mr. Omid Taranirad. So uh, Omid's actually Sarah, my wife, uh, they're, they're cousins, but he's the third leg of our tripod when it comes to running Alpha Geek Capital. And uh, he just recently quit his job. Uh, so we, we kind of talk about his journey of going from, you know, he was at the same company for almost 18 years and uh, kind of taking that leap from doing that to coming full time with this in the business. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I um I think yeah, we touch on that for sure him quitting his job and but we'll also go into partnerships and how you guys have structured mm-hmm. it, how you guys kind of started out and also what it looks like now, what are the roles and responsibilities. So if you've been thinking of getting a partner, this is a great episode to listen to as to how they structured their partnership, how they keep the lines of communication open, alignment, everything like that that you need in a good solid partnership. Remember when you had to pay to get a lead's phone number? It was like the dark ages. Until Deal Machine made skip tracing a thing of the past. Now, with your Deal Machine plan, you'll get unlimited access to phone numbers and contact information for no extra cost. That's right. Get high-quality, reliable information trusted by leading financial institutions, all fully compliant with the federal Do Not Call list. Explore over 150 data points, including age, gender, marital status, occupation, and a ton more. Trust me, this is the data you need for off-market deals. With new filters, people flags, and color-coded phone numbers, lead management just got a ton easier. Ready to step up your investing game? Sign up for a Deal Machine plan today and gain immediate access to this unlimited treasure trove of contact information and phone numbers. Just head to dealmachine.com BP. Transform your lead generation and deal-making strategies with Deal Machine. Sign up today and start exploring the unlimited possibilities at dealmachine.com BP. Remember when you had to pay to get a lead's phone number? It was like the dark ages. Until Deal Machine made skip tracing a thing of the past. Now, with your Deal Machine plan, you'll get unlimited access to phone numbers and contact information for no extra cost. That's right. Get high quality, reliable information trusted by leading financial institutions, all fully compliant with the federal do not call list. 
Explore over 150 data points, including age, gender, marital status, occupation, and a ton more. Trust me, this is the data you need for off-market deals. With new filters, people flags, and color-coded phone numbers, lead management just got a ton easier. Ready to step up your investing game? Sign up for a Deal Machine plan today and gain immediate access to this unlimited treasure trove of contact information and phone numbers. Just head to dealmachine.com BP. Transform your lead generation and deal-making strategies with Deal Machine. Sign up today and start exploring the unlimited possibilities at dealmachine.com BP. This show is sponsored by Airbnb. Did you know that I turned one of my first homes into an Airbnb? It's true. And it even helped me get the extra income I needed to launch my real estate career. So if you want to try your hand at making even more income with your property, Airbnb is the place to be. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Omid, welcome to the show. But before we really get into anything about you, tell us all the dirty details about Tony as your business partner. <laughs> we want to hear it all. <laughs> Man, oh, I got so much to share. I can't wait. Um, I don't even know where to start. So yeah. <laughs> I mean, well, go ahead. You can start with yourself. Uh, start from the beginning of your real estate journey. Tell us a little bit about yourself and why you even start decided to get into real estate. Sure, absolutely. So I'm, I'm first generation. So my parents both came from different countries, very different backgrounds. But I think the the common values that they had were, okay, you're going to pursue the American dream. So that was go ahead and seek out, get good grades, go to college, get a good paying job buy a house, have some kids, retire at 65. And so um, fast forward, as I, you know, I got my job, I got married, I bought my house, Um, I really felt that there was like a sense of something that I was missing. And so I'd worked this corporate job at the time for 16 years, I had excelled in the job, I had moved up. And, um, at some point, I decided, okay, I needed something else, or it, what I was doing wasn't really fulfilling me, and so I started kind of looking in other places. I actually, came, you know, just like everybody else, I came across Bigger Pockets, started studying, um, and uh, somehow I came across Tony. I don't, I don't even know how this <laughs> happened. Yeah, so you know, the, yeah. the power of social media, just like. Hitting a button, saying I like something with that David Green posted. And this was around the time when I was getting more serious about in- investing. And so um, fast forward, invested in as an LP and, and apartment syndication on a couple deals. I uh, mostly investing in, in short-term rentals and uh, quit my job. And, and now I'm, I'm here talking to you guys, which is bizarre. <laughs> like I would have never thought that in a million years I'd, I'd be on the show with you guys. So can I can I give the backstory? So yeah, so Omid is he's my business partner, um, but he's also my wife's first cousin. So me, Sarah, and Omid were like the three legged horse that runs Alpha Geek Capital, and um, so you know obviously Sarah and Omid knew each other, their family, and Sarah and I we've been dating since we were seventeen. So like you know Omid and I have seen each other and you know family parties and things like that, but I wouldn't say that we were ever like super super close before we started investing together. And what Omid was talking about when you mentioned the social media thing is you know, rewind to 2019. This is before I had my first deal. Um, And and Omi and I were kind of in the same space. Like we were both, you know, separately educating ourselves about investing in real estate. And it was actually David Green from the OG podcast. I was on his Instagram profile. You know, he had like posted something I clicked through. And, you know, on Instagram, it shows you followed by XYZ. And one of the people's names was on there was Omi. And I was like, what the heck? You know, it's like, I didn't know he was he was into real estate. So we started talking, you know, and, and you know, finds out we're both trying to do the same thing. And I actually pulled it up, Omi. So I pulled up the email. So on October 15th, 2019, at just before 11 p.m., I sent Omid an email and I said, hey, like I know we have been talking about maybe doing a deal together, but I, I got this deal. Do you want to partner on it with me? And he replied in like, I don't know, like three minutes. And he was like, I'm in. And that was like the, you know, the, the start of this long relationship. But last thing, right? The funny part is that that email that I sent, that was a Shreveport house that we ended up losing $30,000 on. So not the best start to the relationship, but it, it worked out. <laughs> I, I think really that like the takeaway, um, I think with that was just more like, 
it was really a stepping stone just to get our feet wet. And I know Tony's message is often just take action and, and just kind of understand. You, you won't know until you actually start kind of getting involved in, in some of the day-to-day activities. And uh, that's really, that led us to um, wanting to seek out apartment syndication mm-hmm. to meeting, networking with a bunch of people um, that eventually led us to short-term rentals. Omid, how did you guys structure this partnership? And did it take a lot of negotiating? Or did you just say, well, let's do it 50-50 because we're each going to put in half of whatever that half is, money, energy. And did you have roles and responsibilities defined? Kind of go through what that structure looked like in the beginning. And also, have you made changes to that since then? Yeah, that's a that's a great question. So I think uh, we just kind of went in there blindly to a degree, right? So it was, uh, you know, I think sometimes I, I am just like, I don't say spontaneous, but I just have an idea and I don't know necessarily how I'm going to do it. We're just going to kind of work it out along the way. Um, I knew that Tony's skill set complemented mine. So, you know, in, in my line of work before we did disc profiles. And so I would kind of like learn through interacting with people. Okay, this person is a analytical person and so for me like being more of a um you know i i take action but i I don't necessarily know like look at the details as much and i I know tony is more of a analytical look at the details so i was like okay he'll complement my skill set we'll figure it out we'll make it work um there's not that much risk in it per se because it's not there's no money out of pocket at the time i mean that at the time it was okay this was a a burr where um the the lender funded the rehab portion as well. So I was like, okay, it's not that much risk. I just want to learn. And I feel like this is a great opportunity to learn. So that's kind of how we initially started. And I think over time, as we've kind of take, d- completed different ventures, we've clear, like more clearly defined things along the way. But I think that's something that we've just kind of figured out over time. Yeah, and actually really quick, I think that's part of the reason why Omid and I work so well together is because we're both... In some ways, you know, we're, we're like, what's what's the saying? Like, fire, aim, shoot, or whatever. Like, you know, we'll shoot first and kind of ask questions later kind of guys. And we're, we're both kind of go with the flow. So I think that's what made this partnership so successful is that we're similar in that way. When you guys structured this partnership in the beginning, was this like, we're just going to test out one deal? Or let's go and see what other deals we can find right away. What did that kind of look like? You know, there wasn't even really clear dialogue around like where it was going to evolve. It was just more like, hey, let's just do this and see what happens. And and that was it. And then, uh, you know, after that, it was, you know, I just started calling him partner. And then and then he's like, hey, um, there's this like Black Friday deal to this Rod Cleef event. Do you know who Rod Cleef is? And are you interested in multifamily? I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know Rod Cleef. But, you know, if you're into it, I'm into it. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to buy the ticket. Let's go together and let's kind of learn along the way. So for us, it was just more like, okay, this is a journey and we're just going to kind of figure it out. And, uh, you know, that's kind of what we did. And that event was like super, I think, critical to our partnership as well, because we, you know, we, we walked away from that event, I think, with a better sense of what we wanted to do as a partnership. I um, mean, it was apartment syndication. That's what we were initially planning to do. That didn't work out, but it still kind of led us to some, you know, it led us eventually to doing the short-term rentals. But I think that, you know, spending three days together at this event, you know, soaking in all this like information about real estate investing, like really laid the foundation for everything we built from there on out. Yeah. It gets you all hyped up and motivated together. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, ironically, I mean, you know, we we've still talked to some of the same people that we met at that event. And uh, we've been on like parallel journeys with short term rentals. And um, even just like relationships we built through like a coaching program we joined, I think it all allowed us to kind of learn along the way and, and uh, kind of shorten that that learning span for us to, to kind of invest or just like, uh, understand just like the different spaces and, and niches in real estate. Because I think one of the biggest things is like, uh, you know, I think we have a very big threshold for like discomfort. So for me, like, just throw me kind of like what Tony said, throw me in anywhere. Or Tony, I'm just gonna kind of figure it out and learn and I don't mind spending time to learn it and master it. And then it was like the education piece. So like learning education about 
you know, whatever the particular niche is and, mm-hmm. um, you know, are we interested in cash flow and appreciation or, you know, depreciation and all those things we kind of learn along the way. So it just a bunch of different items and then identifying the niche. There's so many, I think you, you go to these presentations and you're like, I want to do this and I want to do that. And then, but you don't really realize, I think it's hard to kind of nail down once you've been presented so many opportunities. Okay. What actually works or what fits your skill set or like where you are in your, your current like real estate journey. What are the different roles and responsibilities you guys have in your organization now before we kind of get any further? Yeah. So, so currently I, I tag team operations with Sarah. So Sarah and I both do operations, which that includes uh, communication with our handyman cleaners, um, addressing anything, anything guest related, um, also, I, I do guest uh, relations, investor relations. So we have the funnel of the Alpha Geek website, and it leads to a calendar. And essentially, I'm I'm the guy. I I don't know if I'm. I I told somebody today I'm I'm like the chastity belt. So you have to like get through me to get to Tony and Sarah. <laughs> so like if you can't. If if I'm not, you know, just so I'm like the first layer of protection in a way. <laughs> so, but uh, I, you know. <laughs> But but I'm also the the guy that just kind of assesses okay like uh, is you know I I had a call today and somebody uh, filled out a partnership or they're interested in partnership they don't have enough funds but they're also interested in learning and I, I know you guys always talk about um, how can you bring value so this person um, had a lot of analytical skills we have an opportunity with like acquisitions and so we just started talking and I. I loosely said, hey, um, you know, we, we may have an opportunity and he was all in and he's going to send me his resume. And but I think it's just being even I, able to identify parts of our business and, and where I can fit them in the business. But primarily, yes, the investor relations is, is the role. Yeah. Oh, man, you have no idea the floodgates you just opened up. You know how many people are going to fill out that form now and start Oh, God. Resumes? Oh, God. I know. Right? I know. Oh, hopefully not. Yeah, no. I mean, yeah. no. They, you know, as long as they, they bring value. Yeah. So, and Ash, you know, it took us a while to get to this point where we've got more defined roles. You know, I think when we first started, like there was, you know, we were all just kind of doing everything, you know, and, and kind of stepping on each other's toes and doing all these different things. But as the business has matured, we've really kind of settled into our, our different roles. So yeah, Omid and Sarah handle all the guest communications. Omid's handle all the partnership relationships. Um, I'm focused more so on like the acquisitions. Um, you know, like I think most of the deals we found so far have been, you know, from, from me kind of doing a lot of that work. And then I handle a lot of like the technology pieces, right? Like our, our property management software, our pricing tool, our email automation tools. So we've really kind of settled into our groove now that we've been doing this for you know, a little over two years now. So going forward with your, your partnership, you guys are building your team. Can you kind of talk about, um, Omid, you touched a little in the beginning, what your strategy is now and your focus now going forward? Yeah, so I, I think um, like specifically we're continuing to grow like the partnerships, and uh, so Tony does acquisitions for me specifically. Um, we're we're looking to identify people that kind of fit the culture. So you know, just I, I think there's a lot of investors out there. There's a lot of people that um, there's a lot of capital, and I think sometimes what's challenging is you know we're gonna have a long term relationship, so we want to be able to work with people that we enjoy being around. And also to have similar goals in terms of like, you know, um, know, for us, like the partnership is a cash flow play to a degree. So like, is that what they're looking for? And in in terms of like what we bring to the table. So, you know, we run a short term rental from A to Z. And so is this more of like a passive investment for a partner? And and that might be more ideal for us because then, you know, we can have the autonomy. We run everything and, um, you know, they collect their their monthly check for you know the distributions that we provide you mean you don't want somebody to come in and tell you how to do the layout and the design and what the paint color should be you know it's my point is is that you guys know what you're doing yeah. and that right. is what operator if you are going to be an operator you should know mm-hmm. what you're doing and what works yeah. and you guys are confident in that and that's why you're saying the ideal investor is somebody who wants to be passive and not to be hands-on and make the color choices and, and things like that. 
Yeah. And I, and you know, I think we do involve them to an extent, right? Like when we're, when we're designing the space, we'll typically share that with them. Any major decisions around the property, like we will typically go over that with them as well. But yeah, like the minutia of the day-to-day grind, like I'm not going to reach out to the partner and say, Hey, how do you want us to respond to this message? Right. Um, so there, there's some, some balancing there, but oh, I mean, one thing you mentioned, and I, I want to touch on this because I think it's important to, to call out is you talked about like goals and things like that. And I think that's one space where like me, Sarah and Omid really kind of, uh, balance each other out. Right. Like, so we had like our, our annual planning meeting, maybe like a month ago, right. Like coming up on a month ago and, and like, yeah, like, Omid, like share what your goal was and share what my goal was and share kind of like where we landed. You know, it's like, Tony's like, yeah, you know, no big deal. I just want like $5 billion in, in real estate acquisitions over the course of the next 10 years or, and then, uh, you know, I was like, and then, of course, Sarah's like, wait, billion with a B or with an <laughs> M? Like, <laughs> and, um, you know, for me, I'm like, uh, let me look at my answer because we're sharing answers. And I'm like, uh, let me adjust mine. Uh, and I, I forgot where Sarah was. But I mean, I think for me, I was like maybe like 100 million um, or, you know, something's pretty. I was going to say 500 million, but I had to change my answer because I was like, OK, let's be more realistic somewhere in the middle. And, um, you know, I think we landed on one billion. Um, and um, but I think it's just funny. I think uh, the one thing. So, like, you know, we, t- we talk about our partnerships, like what are like some pros and cons of partnerships and like what are your pet peeves? And like Tony's like, you know, I, what I what I love about him is that he always is like setting the bar super high. And sometimes um, for me, like, is it? I'm always trying to assess, okay, is this realistic? Like, is he being crazy again? Like, and, um, but you know, I, so I think, I think that's what I'm trying to assess. And like, I'm trying to find some middle ground. I'm like, okay, this is more realistic, but, and then Sarah's like, you know, she just, uh, you know, on maybe on the other end of the spectrum a little bit, like, Hey, let's just do like, you mean more work? We're going to have more work. Like, is this realistic? Like, And so, um, but yeah, no, I think it's, it's, it's kind of fun to kind of have those discussions to kind of figure out what makes sense, uh, based on goals and, and, uh, um, you know, seeing where we land. I mean, a, a, a great example of that was, and Sarah likes to share the story where she, like Tony told the realtor after we closed on the first Joshua tree property, all right, we're going to close one per quarter moving forward. And then the, the Joshua tree, um, realtor was like what like he's like there's no like he he just had this like reaction like and he you know his his personality he's like um i don't want to like can i use the the b word like is that allowed like he just like 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 he's just like he has a very strong personality and uh his reaction was just like he's very sassy that's that's like a more pg term he's more sassy but, uh, you know, fast forward and we were able to close, I think, like one, one a month or something like that. So we're able to kind of go beyond. So I think I know you guys talk a lot about like mindset and, and um, limiting beliefs. And uh, I think sometimes I, you know, we get caught in that. Like for me, I, I was like, OK, I have my one short term rental in in Tennessee. I'm good. I'm done. And then, you know, Tony like a month later, is like, hey, what about Joshua Tree? And then I was like, oh, I don't like Joshua Tree. It, that place is not interesting to me. And but again, that was kind of me rolling with the punches. I'm like, all right, let's let's try it. So and it was like a already an existing Airbnb, so there was a little bit less risk. It was already like an established property, but this property was what it was producing. I think it was like thirty thousand gross. And um, I mean, if we would have kept it, we ended up selling it. But if we would have kept it, that easily would have been a hundred thousand dollar gross grossing property so that's the the irony and he you know tony doing the research on on joshua tree and you know me trying to maybe uh sometimes we got to be aware of like our biases of like okay this may not be a place i may want to travel but this is the data proves that there's a huge demand and so now it's changed my attitude around okay um just because maybe i don't like this particular vacation rental market it may not mean that um, it's in high demand. So I'm going to default to Tony. He's like the, the geek when it comes to software. And it's like, he busts out all this like data. And I'm like, sold, sold. I'm good. Okay. He's a, 
He's a lady in the streets with a freak in the spreadsheets. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. This show is sponsored by Airbnb. Did you know that a long time ago, before I ever started my real estate business, I turned one of my first primary residences into an Airbnb? And that's the extra income that I needed from Airbnb that gave me the confidence to go out and work for myself and eventually quit my nine to five job. And now I have dozens of Airbnbs all over the country. I've even partnered up with the old David Green on a recent property in Scottsdale to take our portfolio to the next level. And of course, we host it on Airbnb. But you don't need to be a full-time real estate investor to start on Airbnb. As a matter of fact, I was self-managing 10 properties while working my 9-to-5 job, so I know anybody can do it. Think about it this way. You're looking for extra income and going on a vacation. Wouldn't it be great to rent out your space and let your property pay for itself while you're gone? I did this one time. I pitched my wife and my roommate because we were house hacking on the idea of renting out our home, and it paid for all of our expenses on a trip to Mexico City. So go and give it a try. It might just change your life just like it did mine. And I really do mean that. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. When Bigger Pockets started podcasting, no one thought we needed a store, but then books, so many books, best-selling books, rookie books, partnership books. We needed the best real estate bookstore ever, so we chose Shopify. <laughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch stage to the first order stage to the, did we just sell out the whole store stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling real estate books or retro clothing, Shopify's platform helps you sell everywhere, online or in person. Now, speaking of online, did you know Shopify has the internet's best converting checkout, up to 36% better than other leading commerce platforms? And no matter how big you grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control of your business. And that's why we chose Shopify for the Bigger Pockets bookstore. So sign up for a $1 per month trial at shopify.com slash bprookie, all lowercase. Again, go to shopify.com slash bprookie now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash bprookie. Whether you need to buy or sell or you're just obsessed with looking at homes for sale, Redfin's got you covered. Redfin updates their listings every two minutes to help you see new homes first. And they give you personalized recommendations based on the homes you like, so you can find the home that's just right for you, whether that's a cabin, a craftsman, or a castle. With the top-rated Redfin app, you can favorite homes, share listings with others, and schedule tours, even the same day, with a local Redfin agent who can help guide you through the whole home buying process. And if you're looking to sell, Redfin agents have the experience to help get you the best price possible for your home. That's because they sell twice as many homes as other agents. With a listing fee as low as 1%, Redfin's fees are half of what others often charge, which means you'll have more money to put towards what matters most to you, like your next home. In fact, last year, Redfin saved home sellers $127 million. No matter where you are in your real estate journey, Redfin can help. Download the Redfin app to get started today. Okay, so before we move on to a different topic, Omid, I just have to ask, and Tony too, do you guys have weekly calls? How are you guys staying intact as a team? What does that look like? Um, you know, you had your annual meeting. Do you have quarterly meetings? Is it you guys are just text are constantly texting each other? What What are your lines of communication like? So, I mean, you can't text Tony because you've seen his phone. I mean, like, you know, yeah. I, I don't know if he ever sees it or not. I mean, I know like Sarah's his chastity belt, right, for messaging. Yeah. Like, I actually messaged her. I had a question about like Airbnb locks the other day. I just text her to ask. Yeah, of course. Yeah, it's funny because it's like, okay, if I need something done, I'm going to I'm gonna do the group text that includes Sarah that I know she'll tell him um, because it's like sometimes it's like, we need these docs signed and where's Tony? And I'm like, I don't know. I mean, I know, but I don't know. I'm like, okay, he's not going to respond. Let me just tell Sarah to tell him to sign a docs. Um, but, uh, you know, it's... So Tony's version of yelling at you is basically he'll send you a task, right? So like that's like you know because he like, does he get upset? Like I don't know if he ever raises his voice. He just does it, like he kind of like squints his eyes and then he just kind of looks to the side. So I don't know if you ever seen those videos with like him and Sarah. He'll just kind of like look to the side and that's his version of like I'm pissed. So if he I don't know if he's done that to you yet, but you know if he does, that's that's his. I'm definitely gonna notice now if he does. <laughs> <laughs> Man, yeah, that's a signal. So, 
So like, and so I interpret like, okay, you sent me a task. Uh oh, I must not be doing something right. So, so, but yeah, we use Monday. So we use Monday.com and that's kind of uh, our version. We originally were using Rike. We've transitioned to Monday and, um, you know, we have kind of a combo of Monday and just text messaging. So I think we use Monday just overall kind of like action to do's. And if there's anything that needs more immediate attention, we'll just send messages, um, just text message. And, um, I, you know, I, I feel like I'm privileged because he responds to mine sometimes. So it's like pretty good. <laughs> yeah. Oh, but uh, yeah, so I would just say it's, it's a combination of those things. And Sarah and I were very late adopters to Reich. So like Tony would yell, at, like, again, not yell at us, he'd do the side eye thing. And it was just like, hey, can you guys like look at your task? And we're like, what task? Oh yeah, right. <laughs> so I think that's like his, um, that's what is like very organized side. And you know, let's say Sarah and I maybe are a little more scatterbrained with some of those things. We're very task driven, but I think he keeps us organized. So um, now we've been better adopters of Monday, and and that's allowed us to stay more organized, especially as we're scaling. There's we have to like that. There's no other way other than to uh just leverage a system so that way because we're including more people as we're starting to grow oh mate i hate to burst your bubble but uh tony actually has an alert set in monday to remind himself to text you every once in a while just to check in it's actually gone off while we've been on the podcast before (laughs) (laughs) that's awesome okay but i really want to get into the exciting part and one of the biggest reasons we've brought you on today um we had my business partner daryl clinch on not too long ago talking about him quitting his job and saw that now you have quit your job too so congratulations thank Uh, you so much i think it was maybe a month or maybe six weeks before you actually quit we had been in the smoky mountains together and i have to say if you knew you were going to quit your job then you did not like show it at all to me i was shocked when you announced it and you were like talking about how you'd eventually like to so congratulations no thank you so much like you know for me it was just like so i was in almost in denial because i was just so used to the mindset of i wake up i do my job i go home i collect my paycheck and i think so many people get into that routine and they're afraid to make Mm -hmm. that decision and you know Tony approached me. So it was actually at the Bigger Pockets event in New Orleans. He approached me, caught me completely off guard. And, you know, I didn't know what to say at the time. I was just like, um, he must have planned this like way in advance because he's he's like that. Like he, he already like has it all, all planned out like like a mind shark. Like he just like <laughs> mind tricks on me. And so I was like, oh, all right. So it's same same reaction I had to like every deal we've done. All right. Like, but I, you know, I, my wife, she was there at the time. And, um, you know, I think she was very supportive. And uh, so I, you know, after I committed to it, I started doing the math in my head. Um, So I know in Daryl's episode, you guys kind of talked about that. So like, when he was presenting it to me, um, I was doing the math in my head. I was like, okay, this is my gross income. This is my net income. This is what I contribute for my 401k. So I was, I was making a, I had a six figure job. Um, and then I contributed like 20 something percent a year to my 401k. So with a company match, I was probably, it was like probably 30 plus K before 30 K before compounding on that, uh, every year that would be contributed to my 401k. So my original plan before Tony approached me was, okay, I was 40 at the time. I w- when I hit 45, I'll have a million dollars in my 401k. And at that point, I feel comfortable where there's a safety net and I'll walk away from my W-2 and do anything I want. I mean, at the time, I was like, okay, let me get more involved in short-term rental. So I had a five-year plan. Fast forward, we were, that was probably, what, a year and a half after getting involved in short-term rentals that uh, I ended up quitting my job. And I think that the what pushed me was, one, with Tony, but two, thinking about all the things that I've always wanted to do, but was too afraid to do. And I, and I think hopefully that's, this speaks to a lot of listeners. Uh, like when you think about wealth, um, wealth, a lot of people define it as, you know, financial wealth, but they don't look at all the other things. You see these TikToks and it's like 
the new wealth is time and and experiences and so but that really speaks to me because i think for me it just okay so i feel like i have all the basic necessities and so there are other areas that i really want to kind of work on so um the time piece so having the time wealth um physical wealth so just being in better shape i see so many people that were in corporate jobs like a lot of my peers and you know they're my age and they look like they're 50 so, um, you know, I'm trying to do the opposite. I'm like, how can I stay looking like Tony and Sarah, and, you know? And uh, so hopefully if I'm just around them, it'll just force me to look like them. I don't know. I have, I have my black shirt, by the way, my black shirt. So I never liked wearing black shirts, but Tony said it's required now that I'm a part of Alpha Geek. So I, I don't know if that, you know. That's the uniform. That's yeah. the uniform. Like, it's like the black Good. shirt. So, yeah, so... Yeah. But uh, yeah, so financial wealth, social wealth, time wealth, and physical wealth. So those are the four. And a lot of times people trade their time and their physical wealth um, for that financial piece. And I, and I had friends who are attorneys, who are doctors, and they have no time for their families. They don't go to any of the, they can't coach. They can't go to any of the games. Um, they're consistently tired. So uh, I thought about it and it's like, okay, I get my time back. Um, and fast forward, now I've been able to coach. Um, I was doing Orange Theory, and I was the they had like this like tr- dry try like competition, which is basically like a you know overall fitness like competition. And I was like I had the top time for males in my gym, and like I would have never done that under the circumstances I had before because I was able to commit to it every day. Um, and then I've been able to drop off my kids at school, pick them up and drop them off. Before COVID, I never did that once. Like, And I missed out on so many years of that and uh, being able to do that. And uh, now there's just so much upside in terms of like opportunities long term. So I was willing to trade my salary for those things. And I think I was afraid. I was afraid of giving up that salary. But I think in the long run, I'm going to be a lot more happy. I'm already, you know have a way more flexibility and um, you know what I want to do is be able to like inspire others to do the same because I think so many people are stuck in the they want to work they're afraid to walk walk away from their six-figure job they've done all the right things but they're just afraid to take the risk um, or walk away from a six-figure job so Omid you took a pay cut correct yeah yeah I did I did take a pay cut okay so were there any things that you had to cut out of your life or was that just like you, your, that was your extra money anyways, or did you have to kind of uh, rearrange your, your budget um, that you have for, you know, your livelihood? (laughs) So I've always consistently lived way below my means and uh, I've always just needed a few things, the gym, the beach, somewhere to hike, hang around the kids, some good food, and that's it. Like, I don't need a lot of, like, fancy things. Like, um, And so I think for me, I've been able to just maintain a lifestyle living. I could probably live off of a, I, I don't know what, uh, income. But um, when the way I structured even my pay, I would always I'd have increases in my pay. But I always lived off of 4K net income. So that was... No matter what my income was, it was always my paycheck was every month was four thousand dollars. And so even though I was making six figures, even though I was getting bonuses, it didn't matter because I put all the additional income into my 401k so that I could compound it faster at a younger age. So that's the way I thought about it. So my 401k became I, you know, I'm doing the same pay now. But my 401k, instead of it being invested in in stocks, and it's now invested in real estate. So through acquisitions that we have, uh, you know, I have a, a percentage of, of ownership, and that's allowed me to still kind of grow my port, I guess my retirement portfolio. And um, that's how I've been able to kind of justify it while getting back kind of some of those other things. So I feel like Financially, I'm in the same position, if not better. Socially, I've been, I always want to be active in social media, but I never had time. That was like a very low priority item. 
And when I was working my W-2, it required a lot of hours. Um, and so now I've been able to allocate some time for that. Um, the timepiece with family, traveling. I've traveled more in the past six months than I have in the past two years. And they're just, every month there's a, there's where we're going somewhere. Um, and, you know, you know, shout out to my wife for allowing this to, for enabling me to, to go and travel because she gets comments all the time from people, a lot of naysayers who say, oh, he's, he's gone again. Oh, okay. Like, and I feel like they're stirring the pot in a way, but I, but I think sometimes people don't necessarily understand kind of what's going on or like what sort of dedication I have to kind of like the long-term play in terms of like the real estate piece. Because maybe right now, today, the income's the same, but I think you look fast forward five, 10 years, and it, there's a, a larger trajectory um, for uh, just like our financial independence. Um, I mean, a couple things I want to I want to highlight, right? So, <clears throat> like when when you look at at going full time into the business, you, there's the benefits that you you mentioned. Obviously, I think another big one is that you accelerate your ability to scale, right? Like when we first started Alpha Geek Capital, the only person that was full time in the business was Sarah, my wife, and she was really just focused on like the guest communication side of things, right? But she wasn't focused on like growing the business per se. And then when I went full time at the beginning of 2021, we went from, you know, we had two, almost three units when that year started. And we ended that year with what, like 11 or 12, right? So we scaled a ton in those 12 months. And now we just finished Q1. And with you being full time, we, I can't even, I think we've already closed or under contract. Like we have like nine properties already this year, right? So it's like, as you, as you add more fuel to that fire and you free up more time by going full time, you're, you're, it's like an exponential curve that you're on when it comes to the growth. Yeah. It's like taking that short amount of time that you're going to be taking that pay cut so that you can mm-hmm. build up and get to yeah. that replacement salary. And let totally. me ask you this. Are, so at your old job, were you, was it a set salary that you knew how much you were getting every month or was it like commission based where it changed? And then how does that compare to how your pay is now? Did you kind of have to adjust um, when income was coming in and kind of when you had to pay your bills and things like that? Yeah. So nothing's really changed in terms of like my lifestyle or income. Um, I think for me, it was essentially um, at a fixed salary and, um, it uh, and then there was a bonus structure, so there's a bonus depending on how the company had performed. So at the end of the year, you would you know you would see anywhere from like a twenty, fifteen to thirty k bonus. I would say. Yeah. So um, so that bonus is nice at the end of the year. I mean, then you can kind of use that to invest or you know whatever it is that you want to do. But I th- in terms of the fixed salary. Um, you know, I'm, I'm contributing a big percentage into my 401k. Um, so I had the fixed amount every month. So in terms of the fixed amount, it matches. So there's nothing has really changed in that, in that sort of piece. Um, and, um, what was the question again? <laughs> Just, oh, well, I get, I think it's not really going to apply to you, but what would be your advice? You seem pretty money savvy. What would be your advice to somebody who is going from a fixed salary to, okay, now yeah. they're getting, um, you know, they have multiple income streams from their different sure. properties or something that they're going to be living off that might change. Like, yeah. oh, this month yeah. we have to replace a hot water heater. Your cash flow is not going to be as much or things like that sure. would be your advice to kind of plan that out. Um, Cause that can be scary getting that fixed income every single month going to a variable income. Yeah, absolutely. I think, uh, you know, we're very fortunate in terms of like the, the cash flow for the short term rentals, but it, I think it just identifying like what you can live off of um, and uh, setting a reserve. So, I mean, we have a reserve kind of set aside um, just for anything that could happen. And I know people's idea of reserve varies. Um, some people aren't as liquid. They put all their money into stocks or, you know, or invest, what, whatever type of investment. But I think the idea is for us, what we felt comfortable with was, okay, um, I had, between my wife and I, we had f- uh, four different uh, short-term rental loans in our names. So in terms of debt to income, for traditional loans, we weren't going to qualify for any more loans that were traditional. 
we'd have to go into like a DSCR loan or some other commercial loan product. So at that point, I felt like, okay, the the leverage of the W-2 income and the salary, um, it didn't have as much benefit by being in the job anymore. So I, I think like the name of the game for me was like cash flow. So how can I create cash flow that'll replace my income and through these assets? And so the niche that was identified was short-term rentals. And so with that, just you can walk away with one or two. Like it doesn't require that much. And so it's just a matter of finding the right location that works for you. And do you have the appetite to run your own Airbnb business? Um, Some people don't. Yeah, some people don't have the personality or the time or um, the know-how. And uh, not everybody has a Tony J, you know, who just busts out data, you know, like like in their sleep. So, um, but maybe it's finding a partner that does. So I think that's for me what what I was able to do was okay. I can do operations. I can talk to people. I can build teams. Um, now, if I, somebody's in that same position and they have capital and they have a good paying job, find somebody who's good at systems, who likes data, and you know go to these Facebook groups, go to local. Um, uh, you know, meetup events, and there's there's so many people who are just uh, wanting to get their feet wet and just need the one person to to maybe partner with. Yeah, I think the other thing I want to comment on, Omid, is like how we how we kind of manage cash flow because we do it, I think, a little bit differently than other real estate investors. So for the rookies that are listening, uh, Ashley and I interviewed Mike Michalowicz on uh, one of our rookie replies. I think it was episode one thirty two. And uh, Mike, we interviewed him about a book called Get Different, but Mike also has a book called Profit First. And in that book, Profit First, he breaks down how entrepreneurs should manage their cash flow. It's a it's a relatively quick quick read, um, but a really impactful one if you implement it. And that's what we've done in our business. So every month, we don't really look at like I mean, we look at them, but we don't we don't really manage our distributions based on the net cash flow. Right. Like if, if a property nets, you know, a thousand bucks, we're not going to look at that as a money that we distribute. Instead, we use a percentage of the bank balance every month. So every month on the 25th, I go into each one of the accounts for, for every one of our properties and I see how much capital do we have available in the actual bank account. And then we have different percentages set up for different ways we allocate the funds. So a certain percentage gets held back for operating expenses. Another percentage gets held back for uh, taxes. Another percentage gets held back for our our salaries. And then another percentage gets held back for profit distributions. And so we take a small salary every month for running the business. But then throughout the quarter, we have this big profit bucket that's building month over month. And at the end of every quarter, we take a a profit distribution as well. So so that's kind of how we've managed our cash flow as well. I think that's great, you guys. What he said. Uh, thanks for sharing that. Yeah. <laughs> Omi doesn't have to worry about that end of things. Just, you know, it just shows up in his bank. He just account. gets a check. He, just he doesn't know check, where it comes yeah. from. Yeah. Uh, did you guys want to share a deal with all with us at all for your deal review? Um. Okay. Yeah. So go ahead. I'll let you guys take team it. You gonna do La Flora? Yeah, whichever one, man. You pick one, dive into it. Yeah, okay. Yeah, La Flora. So this is one. It's a off-market deal. So we, we have a relationship with a builder. He essentially comes to us and says, hey, I have a tiny home in Joshua Tree. Are you guys interested? We say yes. And then uh, so I think the purchase price on this one was it's a 400-square-foot tiny home in Joshua Tree. Um, $333, mm-hmm. I think, Somewhere was the purchase there. price on it. But Omi, before before you keep going, I, I think you know you you glossed over that. Like like dive into that a little bit, right? So like one of our secret weapons in Joshua Tree has been our ability to get off market deals. You know we've gone direct to seller, we've worked with wholesalers, but one of our unique strategies is going direct to builder. Um, so Omi, maybe if you want to talk about how we built that relationship and and how beneficial it's been for both parties. Yeah. So the we. So Tony had identified this tiny home in Joshua Tree, and I was not a fan. Um, I was like, how much is it per square foot? And what's so big about these? You know, again, we're talking about biases and like, it's not a good property. And, you know, of course, Mm. trust the process. So uh, fast forward, he's like, yeah, let's make an offer. And like like I normally do. Okay, let's just do it. You know, and so um, so I went ahead and I I I approached the the um, person who was selling the property, who was also the builder. And so I was trying to ask a lot of questions to identify specifically how we could get this one under contract or how we could be competitive. 
So I asked a lot of questions. I realized he's a mass builder. He wanted somebody who can close quickly. And he didn't want a lot of nonsense. So not too many questions. Don't bother him. Like his time was very valuable. And he really had zero patience for people in general. So um, I basically told him. And he wanted to build a long-term relationship because he's a builder. He wanted to also be able to build um, on the particular lot or on a future lot. So I essentially listened, identified what was important to him. And I told him, hey, look, we're, we're short-term rental investors. We're looking to scale. We want to, we're interested in your product and how can we be, um, you know, what is a number that would be competitive for us to be able to not only secure this, but also buy future deals. Um, we proved that we could close. So we ended up, he, he accepted our offer. Um, I think it was asking price. So we, we offered asking price and um, we accept the offer. We close right away. No issues. Um and then fast forward a couple months, and he had another property. And so um, he essentially, at, at this point, just started approaching us and said, hey, look, I have this property. Uh, ironically, um, this one property led to another three, and then there was additional, I think we have, so we had seven under contract with him, and then now we're going to be at 11 tiny homes with him particularly. And you know, the irony is uh, these tiny homes, um, there's such a high demand, but th- this is the, the challenge for somebody that wants to buy these. One, typically you're going to have to hire a builder. The turnaround time is, what, a year from planning. So nobody's going to sell these because they spend so much time like into like engineering. And so, and then the few that ever go on market sell way above market. So we're, we're able to get them at, at pretty much market price. Um, and off market. So he now comes to us. A few things. He likes that we close quickly. He likes that we are low maintenance. And, um, and we have good communication with him. We try to just, you know, he he's uh, he's kind of a grumpy guy a little bit. And so it's just like, <laughs> how can we keep things positive, but like, yeah. um, and maintain a positive relationship. So it's worked out really nicely. It's been mutually beneficial because for us, actually, like, we have a very consistent source of deal flow for a, a property that we know has performed well. It's easier on his side because he doesn't have to worry about listing the property, you know, dealing with different sellers or someone getting under contract and then backing out. So it's really been a mutually beneficial relationship. And like Omid said, by the time this episode airs, we'll have bought 11 houses from this guy. And they, they all perform really well. So, I mean, sorry, you know, I, I didn't mean to get you off tangent there, but if we want to go back to the floor and maybe walk through uh, what we picked that one up for. Yeah, so this one we purchased, I'm going to say Q4 November-ish of last year. I'm going to say October, November-ish. It's all becoming a blur. But uh, 333, 10% down loan. Um, it required um, about, what, 20K furnishings plus, you know, design, et cetera, et cetera. So total out of pocket it's going to be probably close like between like 65 ish i'm going to say with like closing costs um so this particular property has actually become our best performing property so ironically one day um so this is supposed to gross this will easily gross maybe 110 to 120 um Mm -hmm. and the price point being 333 like you can't find properties at that price point for that type of gross usually you're going to have to spend 600 plus to get that sort of gross and 600 is on a conservative side usually it's more like seven eight hundred to get a, a gross of 120k um but uh ironically uh sarah she designed it and i was not a fan i'm always not a fan i'm just like it, it's, it's kind of funny, but uh, I wasn't a fan of her design. She's like, hey, what do you think? And I was like, oh, that's cool. Like, it'll either do really well or it's not going to do well. That was, I think that was my reaction. Like, I think that was my yeah. response. And we we agreed to, like, proceed forward with the design. And uh, it became the most popular design of all our tiny homes. So it's actually our, our now become our consistently most sought out tiny home. And I think it's like booked out like two months in advance or so, uh, give or take. And uh, we got to raise rates clearly because it's like, uh, you know, we're not charging enough. But um, yeah, yeah, it's, it's doing it's doing well. Cash on cash return is probably 50 plus percent. 
Omid, I think that's a, a really great point to touch on is that you have these tiny homes that are all the identical layout, but it's the design. And the design has made such an impact on that one that it's outperforming the other one. So I think that's a lot of people, and even I did this for my first Airbnb, was go and, hey, who has furniture laying around in their basement that they don't want anymore that I can throw in my Airbnb? And you just prove that taking the time to actually design it and add that aesthetic to it can really give you a way better return than just throwing in mismatched furniture um, that you find on the side of the road or from, you know, your parents' basement. <laughs> no, I, I think that's a that's a great point because uh, when we look at the, the portfolio itself, we've optimized and kind of made adjustments along the way. So because we've had the same model, we've been able to kind of get feedback from, from guests and even from like social media. And um, we've been able to kind of keep making different adjustments along the way. And I think we have have a more polished product moving forward because of it. But we also... When we launch these, we are launching them more polished than they were initially. I think our very first one, I think we initially looked at it and we were like, okay, this is going to gross about 40K. Um, And uh, then Tony's like, oh, yeah, we'll do 60, no problem. And of course, I'm a skeptic and I'm not believing it. I'm like, there's no way this place is going to do 60. And we've made modifications along the way and... uh, I think what happened is like during summertime, um, which is, I would say, like the low season because of the heat, um, we really had to look at, okay, how can we make our property stand out so that way we can make, make it gross even during low season. So we made a few adjustments to the property. And at that point, from September on, every month, it kept the, the growth kept going up to now, like it's averaging close to like nine nine plus k a month um since we made the adjustments to that property so that this property will do 100k plus um and the irony is like again limiting beliefs and thinking oh okay this can only do so much but i think it just continuing to do your education receive feedback from your guests make the adjustments and uh try to optimize the property so um you know guests want to come back Awesome, brother. So yeah, we, we've uh, had some definite success with those tiny homes in Joshua Tree um, and, and appreciate you, Omi, for, for building that relationship, man. So I want to take us to the, uh, to the Ricky request line. Uh, so for the Rickies that are listening, if you would like your question featured, give us a call at 888-5-RICKY and maybe we'll play your question on the show. So Omid, partner, are you ready for today's question? Oh man, I don't know. I'm I'm like not prepared, but let's let's try it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So today's question is uh, from John from Fairfax, Virginia, and John says, "I have a question about putting offers on deals. You guys talk a lot about putting offers on, but not on having the financing lined up. And I'm wondering, how do you do that?" How does a seller have the patience to get you to put the deal together? You know, it might take some time to get partners or a bank to get approval on the deal. So what's running around my head is, how are you making offers without having any financing lined up right away? Love to hear you guys talk about that. And that's funny, Omi, because we do that all the time, right? <laughs> like, we'll, we're like, just get under contract and we'll figure it out. Yeah. You want to control the deal. <laughs> yeah. Very, yeah, very true. Um. And I think it depends on like your, it's going to completely vary depending on your local market and and what the market environment is. Um, And then Mm -hmm. building a relationship with your realtor, what sort of experience you have. So um, if you can't get pre-qualified, I mean, you should definitely get pre-qualified to get some sort of loan, whether even if it's a um, a hard money lender. So sometimes you may not, let's say, not qualify for like a traditional loan. If you get, if I build a relationship with a hard money lender where you get something, um, that's a great place to start. Um, but, um, I, I don't know, like Tony, do you, do you have any, I, I feel like you, you always have the great answer. So I'm going to Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I think the only <laughs> thing I'd add is that like, whenever you put a property under contract, like you always have your financing contingency, right? So worst case scenario, if you're not able to figure that out within that time frame, just make sure you, you cancel the contract before your financing contingency. But I would try and exhaust every option before, before you have to cancel, because I think the, the second you start canceling on people, that's when you kind of build the, you know, the wrong reputation. So um, I would use the financing contingency if I needed it. But first, yeah, hard money, private money, partners, like if it's a good deal, 
I'm going to be going to everybody that I know saying, hey, please, please, please work. Not even please, but hey, here's a great opportunity. Work with me on this deal. Yeah, I think we went to a Ryan Pineda event. And then the quote they used was, if, uh, if it's a good deal, money will follow. So I think just find that good deal and money will follow. And that's whether you post it on social media, whether you're posting it in like local groups. Um, Mm -hmm. There's always somebody who has the capital who's looking for that deal and they don't have the access to the deal flow. So if you can bring the deal, I'm sure money will follow. Okay. Omid, I'm going to take us to our rookie exam. Now, this is graded, and this will um, actually be reported as to whether or not you stay employed by Alpha Geek Capital. Oh. So the pressure <laughs> is on. You know, I, I feel like I'm, I'm in college, and I'm like, um, you know, I'm, I'm trying to get into like some sort of like organization, like a Greek organization, and like... This is the hazing process. Like, this, this do I get accepted hazing. into the club or not? <laughs> Omid, what is the return on investment, the ROI, based on the cash flow from the third Joshua Tree property you bought? The clock starts now. Um, you know, that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say it's like a hundred plus. Percent. Okay. hundred plus. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. What is one actual thing rookies should do after listening to this episode? Yeah. So as- assess your threshold for discomfort, because I think a lot of people, they get this idea, oh, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. But then when they find out what it really requires in terms of like the extra work, um, and assess your your threshold for that additional work. Are you willing to sacrifice maybe on the weekends, like not hang out with your friends? Are you willing to get uncomfortable? Are you willing to go to a network event and talk to people when you're not comfortable talking to new people? Um, I think all those items are, are really big. Um, if you're married, like, is your spouse okay with you spending more time away from your family? And can your spouse maybe step up with some of those responsibilities at home so it's like all those little things that i think sometimes are overlooked um before actually getting your feet wet into whatever it is that you want to do awesome Omi. so question number two what's one tool software app or system that you use in your business i have uh so i have this one tool and it's called tony j robinson like he's he's like the software master <laughs> So as long as you have a Tony J, you know, oh, wait, wait, wait. not everybody has a Tony J, but, uh, you know, I think, um, specifically for our line of business or so Airbnb is, um, our short-term rentals, it's hospitable. Um, and I know there's like different substitutes of that, but I think hospitable really allows us to integrate pricing, messaging, guest experience, communications all in one. So that's really a lifesaver. I feel like that allows anybody to scale long-term. So I would say uh, if it's not Tony, then hospitable is a close second. Where do you plan on being in five years? So what's half of 100 billion? (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I feel like we we had this discussion because I feel like there was like a 10-year plan and there was a five-year plan. And in theory, what half of that should be 500, but I'm going to say like 300 million in uh, acquisition, because I feel like it, it'll kind of like skyrocket faster, like as you kind of go towards the end of the of your journey. So I'm gonna say 300 million in acquisitions, more time freedom, leveraging, um, and uh, you know, leveraging, uh, you know, just growing an organization, and so le- leveraging the organization and the culture to kind of build. Awesome, brother. Well, as we round things up, I'm gonna highlight today's rookie rock star. And uh, if you would like to be highlighted as a rookie rock star, get active in the Real Estate Rookie Facebook groups, get active in the Bigger Pockets forums, uh, slide into my DMs or into Ashley's DMs. But today's rookie rock star is Andre B. And Andre says, I caught the real estate investing bug a couple of months ago and have been hard at work since trying to secure my first property. Uh, three contracts, two terminations post inspection. I finally have doors one, two, three, and four fully occupied with what seems to be great tenants. And this was a, a fourplex, all one bedroom, one baths. Um, it was listed at 240. He was able to negotiate down to 210. And then after the inspection, got it down even further to 205. And uh, right now the rents are, or he's going to cash flow about $351 uh, 
uh, per unit. So amazing job, uh, Andre. Really, really proud of the work you did there. Andre, high five, man. That's awesome. Omid, thank you so much for joining us today. It was great to have you. Can you tell everyone where they can reach out to you and find out some more information about you? Sure. Uh, you can find me on IG, Omid, the Rad Investor. Um, so O-M-I-D, the Rad Investor. Um, or you can find me, alphageekcapital.com. And um, hopefully I'll be launching my YouTube soon. So you can find me on YouTube, Omid, the Rad Investor. Um, do I, do I get like a picture? Like, do people ever take pictures with you guys? Like, uh, like a digital one for their social media? Is that allowed? No, uh, no, we charge. Absolutely not. Oh man. (laughs) I'm just trying to fanboy a little bit, you know, since I'm on the stage with you guys, this is like amazing moment. You know, I gotta just, and my hair is like, I got a haircut for you guys, you know, I just, uh, Actually, Omid, I already took a picture of us when we first started, actually before we even started recording. So Don't worry, I got you. There you go. Nice. Well, Omid, thank you so much for joining us. And to everyone listening, if you guys have enjoyed the podcast and you loved Omid's episode, maybe you actually have a similar story where you have learned from bigger pockets and being able to quit your job. We would love to hear about it. Uh, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or whatever uh, platform you use to listen to podcasts. We'd greatly appreciate it. And also share the podcast. If you know somebody that would benefit from getting started in real estate investing, please feel free to share the podcast to them. I'm Ashley at Wealth From Rentals, and he's Tony at Tony J. Robinson. And don't forget that you need to go through Omid, Tony's chastity belt, if you'd like to talk to Tony. <laughs> and we will be back on Saturday with a Ricky reply. The market is changing and finding your way can be tricky. Rates shift, headlines whirl, but your goal hasn't changed. You want financial freedom. And the best investors know it's not about timing the market. It's about time in the market. If you're ready to get into the real estate investing game or take your game to the next level, finding an investor-friendly agent is your next step. With BiggerPockets Agent Finder, you can find the right agent in minutes. Just head to biggerpockets.com slash deals, enter a few details about what and where you want to buy, and boom, instantly match with an investor-friendly agent who fits the bill. These local market experts can help you navigate the neighborhoods, analyze the numbers, and take action with confidence once and for all. There's free resources only available at biggerpockets.com slash deals. Get an agent, get the deal, and get closer to financial freedom at biggerpockets.com slash deals. That's biggerpockets.com slash deals to find your investor-friendly agent today. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Past performance is not indicative of future results, and all host and participant opinions are their own. Investment in any asset, real estate included, involves risk. Use your best judgment and consult with qualified advisors before investing. Only risk capital you can afford to lose. Bigger Pockets LLC disclaims all liability for direct, indirect, consequential, or other damages arising from reliance upon information presented in this podcast.